Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold on. Let me take a drink of air. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the pot to the sitcoms of the 20th century. From I Love Lucy, the news radio, I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter-producer for Decider.com, and we are now in part five of the quarantine era of this podcast, which means no music, no audio clips, no fucks given, uh, no do-overs. I bungled that beginning, and I'm not going to redo it, because we're just going to get out episodes as fast as possible... This week, <laughs> I am joined by quarantined to, together across multiple apartments uh, in Los Angeles, Curtis Rutherford and Courtney Rose Halyard. Hello, Curtis and Courtney. Hello. <laughs> Cross-country uh, Skype session. I bet you're yeah. doing a lot of these now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like this is the new normal. It's just like, oh, everybody exists in the same bedroom, Skyping each other. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've I've been doing it a lot um, previously, just with my parents since moving across country. Ugh. But now it's like weird that you're Skyping your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, weird. We're getting to see what everyone's like home setups look like. I see Curtis yeah. has his uh, self-portrait that was not done by him. No. You did not paint yourself because that's a whole, that would be yeah. a whole other thing. Yes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have it up on my wall. This mm-hmm. is up in the living room because I decided like it's too weird to have a painting of myself up oh, in yeah. my bedroom. I remember at um I think it was uh guests of the pod, Jeremy and Diana, they just talked about a uh, Mary Teller Moore episode last Ooh. week at their wedding reception, like their like wedding party at their apartment. We talked about where in your house you could put this painting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, what room does this make yes. sense where it isn't like super weirdly vain? Yep. <laughs> and I decided the living room, that way guests can really see it and enjoy. So, I mean, the bedroom is weirder. Mm-hmm. I think the bedroom is weirder. Yeah, I agree. Bathroom is funniest. <laughs> which actually i do have a picture of jeremy up in my bathroom because he was in my web series and the poster for my web series i have up in my bathroom so it's a drawing of jeremy see full circle Uh, well this week we'll not be traveling to a bathroom instead we'll be traveling to february 6 1963 lawrence of arabia ruled the box office hey paula by paul and paula topped the charts and cbs (laughs) 
<laughs> CBS aired the Dick Van Dyke Show episode. It may look like a walnut. Curtis and Courtney, you must have seen it. it may look like a walnut before today. Yes, I have. For yeah. sure. I don't know if I had or not. <gasps> I've seen so many Dick Van Dyke episodes, but we were looking for uh, like what you would find like the Carl Reiner's favorite mm-hmm. episodes list. Yeah. And I realized like I don't remember this at all. And watching it now, I same. Like I don't know oh if I've shit. seen it or if I did see it, I blocked it entirely. Well, this is yeah, like definitely. This is the most uh, iconic episode, I would say, in terms of just yes. like if you're going to do a like montage of Dick Van Dyke moments, Mary coming out of the closet on walnuts is like, yeah, all over it. Yeah. But what was y'all's history with Dick Van Dyke show? Did y'all grow up watching it on Nick at Night religiously as I did? Yeah. Yes. I actually I was telling him I used to watch. I grew up on like all of basically my parents shows Mm -hmm. because it was that. And then when they made TV land into a channel, they used to just play everything nonstop. And it was just like heaven, just heaven. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) I've like retreated back into just watching nothing but old sitcoms uh, because of the world we live in. And I'm like, you know what? February 6th, 1963 feels a lot better than April 20th, 2020, that we're watching this now. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Um, so, like, wait, so, Curtis, if you if you did not remember seeing this episode, are there other episodes of Dick Van Dyke Show that have stuck with you more that, like, before you had been like, that was the best episode, or, like, I loved that one? I don't know if I could have, like... Picked one out of a lineup? Yeah, I feel like they all melded into, like, one uh, kind of, like whatever the archetypical uh, archetypal uh, Dick Van Dyke episode is. It's like, oh, he's at the office, yeah. and then you know, Laura does this, and then blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I could have picked out like any particular. And I think because I also was like watching it on Nick at Night, and it was oh, yeah. like, F Group Get Smart Dick Van Dyke in a row. And we would just watch that always. Such a good... So good. Such good television. Although now thinking back, F Troop definitely probably doesn't age well. <laughs> I was trying to think about that. I mean, Get Smart, The one of the main jokes was like, oh, it's not the crawl, the crawl. Like, it's this like, oh, he's a oh, Chinese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know with F Troop because... Yeah, I don't know. That's I'm sure that I is. need to do have someone have uh, have a first uh, first person on to yeah. talk about that. Because well, in F Troop, it's like uh, it's a troop in like the old west. It's basically Western yeah. uh, Hogan's heroes. Yeah, it's like set in like the 1870s yeah. or like 1880s. It's like you know old west. So I think there's a lot of like Italian actors playing. Native American people yes. like that whole gig from the sixties <laughs> kind of yeesh. So yeah, I should do F Troop. Yes. Um so there's some good at least from what I remember, it wasn't like and again, this could be totally wrong, but it wasn't like, oh, look at these dumb Native Americans. It no, was I think they were the smarter ones actually. Yes. <laughs> but yes. but their play, like them being the smarter ones is a joke, so therefore like it seems like a good thing, but then you realize, oh no, they're making <laughs> yes. them smart because it's That's it's so true. preposterous that they would be smart. Like so it's like 
Oh, the layers. Oh, the layers. Um, but anyway, this week we're going to be talking about <laughs> this week on Must Have Seen TV. We'll be talking about the Dick Van Dyke Show episode. It may look like a walnut. It is the 20th episode of season two. It was written by Carl Reiner and directed by Jerry Paris. And here is how Hulu describes the episode under the influence of science fiction. Rob fears that a walnut will steal his imagination and his thumbs. Danny Thomas guest stars. <laughs> Curtis McCartney, how accurate is that description? <laughs> I mean, not really. It's not the walnut that he's afraid of. <laughs> also, yeah. under the influence of science fiction, makes it see- like it's that old like uh, uh, he was under the influence of comic yeah, books, just- like the uh, yeah. Very like the House of Un American Intelligence. Wait, what was it? Huac or whatever? Like the Huac for sci fi? Mm-hmm. House. Wait, what is House Un American Committee? Um, wait. Activities Committee? I, okay, yeah. I think Huac, yeah. Yeah, I've listened to so much. You must remember this about <laughs> the Red Scare and stuff. So that's like uh, in my brain. Um, so yeah, the, the episode opens like they all do with the opening credits, which is such a great opening mm-hmm. credits sequence. And he trips over the Ottoman, which as a kid, I always wanted to see him trip. Yeah. yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I got annoyed when it was one where he would like skirt aside it, and yeah. they they switch them up too. Yeah. So like, like I think some seasons are all trip, and then some seasons are all averted, and then some they mix it up, and then there's a there's yet a there's yet another version. Uh, in the '90s, Nick and Knight would do these things where they would add lyrics to the theme songs, so as ads, and so mm-hmm. like, uh. And there's yet another version. He clears the ottoman, but then accidentally stumbles over the rug. After that, Robin, Sally, and Buddy shake hands. Then the episode title comes on obscuring Richie. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Um, and also uh, to note, this is the very first episode that has the episode title like on the intro. Oh. Yeah. It says clearly it may look like a walnut, which part of me wonders if they did that because they just wanted everyone to know, like, this one's going to be a weird one. We're just going to tell you the title up top. Just brace yourselves. Yeah, Yeah, because it really it really is very. Yeah, there's the through line of it is kind of really bizarre. Yeah, it's not there's (laughs) there's not much grounding. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I was I was noticing like. It's shocking this is season two because this seems like a season five idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? We've done the the format yeah. so much. <laughs> we're going to do a fantasy episode. Because most of the episode is so most of the episode is Rob's dream yeah. right, or his nightmare. And because of that, yeah, from like a sitcom uh, perspective, you have to know the characters well. So when they pervert it, it becomes a joke. Yeah. Which one of my favorite jokes in this is when Betty, uh, Buddy and Mel leave arm and arm. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, OK, we know that they're enemies. So therefore, we know that's a nightmare because of it. But, yeah, it's weird to do that in season two where they've established the tropes and the things that they could then pervert. Well, I wonder if it's because... I mean, the first season is what twenty four like episodes, thirty episodes, so, which is yeah, which is like pretty long, especially for that time. Like that's like you're really spending time with. So they're they probably were like, well, <laughs> season two. She's <laughs> <laughs> Louise. Twentieth episode. Yeah. The, I think this is episode fifty of the show overall, which in modern. In modern terms for a network show, that's season three. In modern terms for a Netflix show, that is yeah. 
like you're already canceled off Netflix. Like you yeah. get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 first act is uh, Rob and Laura in their separate beds in their bedroom, and it is it is late mm-hmm. at night, and just like in true sitcom fashion, they. They're trying to sleep with the lights fully on. Now, granted, Rob oh, yeah. is Rob is watching TV, but Laura is ostensibly trying to sleep, I guess. Or she's, like, mm-hmm. gone under the covers. But, like, it is full full light. <laughs> and also, they have this giant TV directly between their beds, like, up on full blast. Yeah. The whole opening, it really felt like, well, Rob is just torturing yeah. Laura. Like, it's... Well, yeah. I mean, they make it clear to the point that he's smothering her yeah. with yeah. a pillow. <laughs> yeah, the, the theremin music is making her scared, and so he, like, grabs a pillow to, like, okay, I'll just, like, hold on, I'll just, like, muffle this a little bit. And he gets so invested, yeah. he doesn't notice her, like, squirming, which itself yes. is kind of a Twilight Zoney thing. Like, that's also a Hitchcock kind of a yeah. <laughs> right up top. Um, I just, their banter throughout this opening arc is just, it is so weird they put them in separate beds because they are obviously getting it. With each other, like, but they're they're a good married couple. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But on the other hand, I, while the opening part, you could have replaced Mary Tyler Moore with Richie, and this scene would have, I think, worked better. <laughs> because it's like he's just torturing he's torturing her like she's a child of like yeah. oh you're scared of the walnut people. Like he's the walnut people, yeah. and Danny Thomas comes out. And her reactions are so like, love, I'm scared. I think it's also like the the writers definitely knew like Mary Tyler Moore plays um, anxious panic really well, which is <laughs> which is why her turn we'll get to it like her turn towards being a twi twiloac a twiloian yeah. or is so god she's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so like this is I also noted this is just a shit ton of exposition. Because they're essentially setting up all of the games they're going to play throughout the rest of the episode, but you don't really realize that because the banter between the two of them is so fun and their relationship is just so playful. Um, it's like a torture play, but, you know, I'm not going to yeah. kink, kink shame Ram and Laura. <laughs> 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 but, like, they set up, like, there's, like, a particle of, of Absorbitron is in the walnut from planet Twilo. Twi- the Kolak is the emissary. He was played by Danny Thomas with an English accent. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The peeking of the eye through the hair. You lose your thumbs. Yeah. You lose imagination. Like literally, all of this is established in five minutes, maybe. Which also, the part that I mean, this was all confusing. But from the like <laughs> sci-fi of what it was, it seemed like the way I uh, the way I remembered it was they said Earthlings you lose their thumbs so that we're helpless. Mm-hmm. Right, but then the way in Rob's nightmare, everybody loses their thumbs because yeah. that's what Twilights do. Well, so I think that in his dream, but see, also Danny Thomas is Kolak, and he also is doing the no thumbs thing. So he, in exactly. theory, he should so, have his thumb. Yes. Yeah. You know, you can just blame it on Rob's dream, Rob's faulty that, memory, that, right? That, that, that. There is. I was looking at the IMDb goofs, and several <laughs> of the incorrectly regarded as goofs listings. 
they go out of their way to go. Although it looks like you can see Rob's uh, thumb when he's trying to hide his thumbs, maybe he's just dreaming that he's hiding his thumbs and therefore it's a nightmare. <laughs> or maybe oh! it's an actor that is doing this in-camera <laughs> trick. <laughs> yes. <God. laughs> it's just... <laughs> Wait a second. Are you telling me when my grandpa took his thumb apart? No. It yeah. wasn't him taking his no, thumb No, that apart? was. They were a twi- twilo- Twilo-white. That was, that's what they called them. Yeah, so yeah, later on, he's the only human left. He's the last human, the last one on Earth, which is such a Twilight Zone thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and so like finally they go to sleep. Uh, Laura like sets her alarm for an hour because she's like, well, when they come to kill me in my dream, I want this alarm to wake me up and save me. So thanks, asshole. Um, what if yeah. Laura did really call him an asshole? That'd be. <laughs> funny (laughs) so we wake up in the morning and rob gets out of bed and he walks and then there are immediately walnuts like kind of littered across the living room floor Mm -hmm. i think so like how how well versed in twilight zone are y'all i'm very well versed okay yeah because i'm not i've seen a couple episodes but i'm not seeing a lot of them but Mm -hmm. this feels very like the slow build towards full-on mania it's like so well done and cool and so like just having a couple scattered across is really nice yeah the other twilight zone trope that they use in this kind of like uh in this first part is the everybody's but crazy but me what's happening like that like everybody's eating walnuts nobody ate walnuts before uh but then everybody else being very like nope this is reality we all eat walnuts it's like everyone with sourdough starter kits or whatever (laughs) (laughs) we've always been baking bread what are you talking about no (laughs) but so like Uh, what i love this line when he goes in and he's like laura did you see what's out in the living room and she goes a dead horse (laughs) Like, like so there's a lot of really fun to be had with the fact they established that Twilowites do not have imagination and so therefore, like, don't have a sense of humor. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, all the characters are saying jokes, but since they're Twilowites, they're actually being deadpan, but the deadpan delivery of what they, of what their, like, imaginationless brains have come up with is funny. It's like layers of, it's really yeah, yeah. cool. So her saying a dead horse is a great joke. It's funny. You would believe that Laura was sarcastically saying that, but then also you'd believe, yeah, Twyla White would just say that. It's layers, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is when, uh, so she's like handing out breakfast stuff and Richie comes down and he's like, I'm still full from the hot bowl of walnuts you gave me. <laughs> and he gets like a bag of walnuts. I love, yeah. so we don't see much of Richie, but like, can we just talk about how great Richie is as a character? <laughs> Yeah. yeah he's just such a dumb dumb yeah like he just like shakes that bag and just like oh boy he he has the energy of a kid who was just told his lines and he just repeated them yeah oh, yeah and his main acting note is always what if you say it faster and louder yeah <laughs> he's he is always my go-to example of a cute sitcom kid done well because he's intentionally stupid they don't build a lot of plots around him and they'll just say like he's hiding in a cupboard somewhere sometimes yeah i love that yeah (laughs) uh so then she starts out laura starts cracking walnuts into like 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 their eggs like there's just walnut Mm -hmm. mania uh 
Can we talk about the politics of breakfast? Because I feel like this comes up a lot on old sitcoms where if the wife is not going to cook breakfast, the husband's like, I can't eat. Yeah. This happens all the time. Fine. You won't make me breakfast. I will leave without breakfast. Like, yeah. you can't even take a piece of bread. Yeah. You don't know how to work the toaster. Cereal? Yeah. Or yeah. cereal. It's so, it is so weird. Like, this happens on Isle of Lucy a bunch, too. Like, I just watched one. A lot of, like, I'm watching a lot of I Love Lucy right now, and a lot of it is, um, like, they just had a baby, and instead of Ricky actually pitching it, like, Lucy is, like, falling asleep over the cradle because she's, like, up too much, and is like, and instead of Ricky just helping, he's like, I need to hire her a maid. And it's like, yeah. no, bitch, like, you need to help. <laughs> Oh, no, no. He has to go play at the nightclub. Yeah, he's got to go rake in the dough. It's literally his excuse. Um, Yeah, the politics of breakfast are just wild. So she puts a walnut in his pocket. Um, At this point, like, first time viewers in 1963, do you think they're glomming on to, like, this being a dream? Like, is anything about Mary Tyler Moore's performance tipping you off at this point? No, I wouldn't. I would say... No, like, I feel like it is, it is a good payback. Like, I think it's like, especially, I feel like the two of them are very kind of competitive with each other and jokey and, um, yeah, they can fool around. So I think she was so scared the night before and yeah, like really, I mean, if you were just like sitting there and couldn't go to sleep and you were terrified the whole night, like making him seem like, oh, okay, like this is, yeah, this you is sort have, of like payback. <laughs> you would have a lot of time. Like if Laura could not sleep, she's had, she has six to eight hours to plan all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, also, <laughs> I mean, she did probably have to get up early to go and get all of these walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a uh, well, the trope of the like a dream episode right Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking of like the sitcom tropes that we're now used to seeing of the rashomon style episode like all these things that have now we've seen so many times definitely have not happened or i'm guessing have not happened before this episode right Like, like no, like, and also, like, Dick Van Dyke show was so revolutionary just in the way that it portrayed three-dimensional nuanced, like, just people, like, that live and have, like, points of view and shit. <clears throat> so, like, it, I could see it also being the first time that uh, there was, like, an elaborate dream. Although I haven't watched a lot of, like, Father Knows Best or Make Room for Daddy, Danny Thomas show, so. Who knows? Make room for daddy. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, so then we get the work scene. So he goes to work. Like, like what did I write down? Oh, um, what? He's a house full of walnuts. What is the... He goes in, both Buddy and Sally say at the same time, a house full of walnuts. Like, Yeah. Which... Here, they, they are kind of still, like, they are comedians. They're yeah. still, like, delivering jokes. They're, they're doing that part. Um, which, by the way, the big thing that I do remember very well from Dick Van Dyke's show was, like, the fact that he was a comedian who had this, like, great middle-class job of being a comedy writer. Yeah. Which, obviously, now does not exist in that way at all. Nope. 
Nope. Now he'd be with Buddy and Sally for 13 weeks or less, and then maybe he'll see them again. He'll see one of them again, and then they're like, God, oh. Exactly. I wrote down, like, this is such a good example of actually funny characters that are professionally funny on a show, but they're also actually funny, and they also make each other laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get that on Friends, like, Chandler is funny for a while but like if you were his friend you would eventually be like oh my god like shut up yeah (laughs) Yeah. so like it makes sense as we as an audience laugh at him but not you know and also like on on Seinfeld when Jerry does when he is trying out material on like Elaine and George and Kramer and stuff shut him down it's like is this a bit yeah this this is you're not funny this is stupid Dr. Katz was one of the first shows I remember that that kind of going back to that where yeah. it's like, oh these characters are reacting to the jokes as if they're jokes yeah and so that's so like that's so cool when he comes in and he's like yeah this guy came in from a house full of walnuts and both of them look at each other like a house full of walnuts like they don't they even say like do you want to say it on like three or whatever yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so it's so cool um and then when he starts going into like the whole Kolak spiel Rosemary, um, Sally is like, oh, yeah, I was at the UN the day Kolak was kicked out. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience laughs because from Sally, it is a joke. Like, it's a really funny joke. But then when you realize, like, retroactively, no, she's a Twiloite. It's it's the other thing of, like, all the all the actors are playing. The comedy plays on these two levels. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they are, their banter is still the same sort of at the beginning i feel like they're it's still very again i feel like all the characters there is like this which i think is fine because it makes it feel more realistic it's like they easily joke with each other and make fun of each other and like play and yeah so at the beginning it doesn't feel like anything new like him bringing up something and yeah. then them kind of being like, well, duh, like yeah. I was there, of course. Like, <laughs> Just and, doing a lot of riffing on each other. Yeah, yeah. So, well, like, and <laughs> even when like Buddy is opening up a walnut, they're like, you're eating walnuts? He's like, yeah, I switched from pistachios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. this is when he finds like there's a walnut in his typewriter in his mm-hmm. desk is an eight by ten of Danny Thomas, which like <laughs> how familiar were y'all with Danny Thomas before this episode? Uh, I was a big Jack Benny fan, and oh. he would also show up as like in the same way that it would just be like, uh oh, is this so and so? You know, they would always have their guest star of the week, so he would show up randomly on. I think on the Jack Benny program. Yeah. Uh, also as Danny Thomas. <laughs> Which, from now on, whenever I enter someplace, I will only go, guess who I am? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> was so, guess who I am? What is a Danny Thomas? It's so... <laughs> so Danny Thomas. I, it, uh, also, in his office, the other thing, uh, so, I'm, like, I haven't seen it for a while, but there's this, like, little, uh, like, 8 by 10 award right yeah. behind his typewriter. Which apparently is different from what he normally has. It's like Joe's award for best late night comedy or something. In yeah. everything else, it's like just this uh, sheet music. So it's oh. very innocuous. But in this episode only, it's this very like you can clearly read it. That mm-hmm. is, yeah, it was like Jimmy the First or something was like yeah. the name yeah. of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
There was a joke about um, a nearsighted turtle falling in love with a helmet that Buddy says. <laughs> There's a lot of like non sequitur like lines at these. I don't know. These Twilight's kind of have a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, it's also very much of the like vaudeville mm-hmm. Marx Brothers style. Like they're ready with that joke. They know the like. Oh, we're gonna say it at the same time. I, that, yeah, like, vaudeville. Yeah. I. I like I look up to Maury Amsterdam so like I wish I could have that career I I realized I always fancied myself that I was the buddy Sorrell of my office um, <laughs> but then I did I did realize recently that I think I'm actually the Bill McNeil <laughs> but I'm not a sociopath and so therefore it's really um, uncomfortable <laughs> but, uh, yeah I don't know it's a it's it's not a good thing to be uh, but whatever <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mix of both. Uh, it's a, but yeah. I, I, so I realized that they probably put that Danny Thomas 8x10 in his drawer, both to set up the fact that like Danny Thomas is hosting this show this week. Did Laura put you up to that? But also, kind of as a weird time capsule reminder 50 years later, this is what Danny Thomas looks like. Yeah. So that when <laughs> he walks in here, that's who you're going to see. And now, obviously, in 1963, they don't need to do that. But it is a yeah. cool thing that they did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mel comes in. He's the one that confirms that, you know, that, uh, that Danny Thomas is the host. He, uh, she, oh. <laughs> like Rob's like, did Laura put you up to this? Which is a hilarious notion that Laura could call Alan Brady and be like, you need to have Danny Thomas be the, g-. <laughs> Oh, I guess maybe he's assuming that Laura called Mel to be like, can you lie about Danny Thomas? Yeah. That yes. makes more sense than Rob assuming that Laura has executive producer pull or something. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mel's response is no, she wanted Colac. <laughs> so this is where it all starts to like become, this is where, where Dick is much more like, or, or, you know, Rob is much more like, oh, this is a nightmare. Is it a nightmare? This is a nightmare. Yeah. This is the Twilight Zone, like, turn. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's like, now he realizes he has gone sane in a crazy world. <laughs> Which he, he also points out. He, yeah. He's like, what is this, the Twilight Zone? Yes, he does. He actually does say, like, Twilight Zone, which is so... Yeah. Uh, so, like, Rob starts freaking out. This is when we, hit it, we have an at break. Rob starts freaking out. He reaches into his um, lapel pocket, and he pulls out the walnut that Laura put in there, and he cracks it, and it has the glowing... Uh, Particle of absorbitron, 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 mm-hmm. yep. yeah, absorbitron, uh, absorbitron, yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> I can't do that thing. Yeah, part of me also wonders, like, did Dick Van Dyke just make that noise on set a bunch, and Carl Reiner was like, "I'm gonna write an episode around that." Yeah, <laughs> that UFO noise he does. <laughs> he calls home because, oh yeah, oh, connecting it back to the like Twilight Zone connection, the title at the beginning is also <gasps> I, I mean a lot of shows a fair number of shows would do that but twilight zone especially would oh, alert wow. the audience to you know whatever i wonder if they Welcome did that the dollhouse. yeah i wonder if they like did that because of the twilight zone pastiche and they were like let's just keep that because dick van dyke show did have really funny titles that um yeah. clued you in on shit that's interesting he calls home to be like i am e-, he's like i'm either like awake and like in hell uh it is a nightmare and i'm dreaming or R- laura is playing a prank on me or whatever so he calls laura to be like hey can you go into the bed and then like wake me up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then, while he's doing that right like that's when 
Oh no, like Laura just like hangs up on him. Essentially, she right? She said she doesn't have time because she's making walnut bread. Yeah, she's like, no, screw this. Um, that's when Danny Thomas walks in, a very British Danny Thomas. Like he's wearing like he looks like he's out of the Avengers, the sixties show. Was that around in sixty three? No, that was a little bit later. I think a little bit later. Yeah. But he has like a derby on, like a gorgeous suit. Like, I mean, I love the look, head to toe. Um, he walks in and then Rob asks, like, you're Danny Thomas. And then the response of what is a Danny Thomas? Like, <laughs> he has kind of like a Mrs. Doubtfire voice, I guess, maybe. Yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, I was wrong. Uh, the Avengers premiered in 1961. So he may very well have been. Holy doing, shit. Uh, I forget. Uh, oh, Dr. David Keel. Yeah, I guess it was on for a long time. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was only on for like a couple years. I always pair it with Batman 66 in my head. Yeah, it went 61 to 69. So Wow. <laughs> and had 32 episodes. <laughs> I'm like, how <laughs> the British do shit. Um, this is when like Danny Thomas turns around and he spots the stain. And then Rob is like, how did you see that? And we get the joke of, I have perfect 20, 20, 20, 20 vision. Sure. <laughs> Very good. And then Rob says he's in the Twilo zone. Yes. <laughs> Which Twilight Zone was in season four at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it it, had, uh, it was entrenched. So this gets to something I wanted to uh, like ask you about this, because thinking of this as a pastiche of the Twilight Zone, yeah. right? Like, I feel like this only, for me, it only kind of works if you're looking at it as like, oh, they're doing the Twilight Zone episode. Oh, yeah. I thought it was strange that there were that like they didn't have a Rod Serling character. That there's so many aspects of that pastiche that they didn't use. Oh, yeah, I wonder if like I wonder if this is like um baby's first pastiche in a way. Like yeah. like the more that television goes on, every time a show does a pastiche episode, like it seems like we as a pop culture are now we've seen so much, we're always trying to like up yeah. it. I mean, like I know like uh, X Files is cops episode. They wanted to literally just have the cops theme song, no X-Files like branding on it whatsoever. <laughs> and Fox was like, no, you cannot do that. That is way too confusing. Cops is a yeah. Fox show. You're a Fox. Like that's so they just had like X-Files in the cops font with like police sirens or whatever. Right. But like, that's a thing that I feel like if they had a Rod Serling, if they had a, I think it could have worked if they'd have had Rod Serling come out at the end when all of them are coming in and like surrounding him because you can't do it at yeah. the beginning. Cause that like tips everyone off of like, yeah, this is exactly. not, yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, they could have done it then, but I guess it is interesting. I wonder yeah, if Carl Reiner's Rod Serling would have been, or Mel's Rod Serling would have been a great <laughs> button, but yeah, this is us looking at it. Later. Yeah. I think also it's kind of not having that is more of keeping with the facts, like, bookending it at the fact that it was a dream mm -hmm. instead of too much making it of we're making it a twilight episode oh, yeah yeah but the middle like 18 minutes mm -hmm. is all twilight zone yeah zone i wonder if it's because rob was watching a generic scary b movie and not an episode yeah. of twilight zone because i think yeah. if he was Maybe, up like yeah. watching a twilight zone episode which would have been impossible in 63 because it probably only aired in primetime when there was no late night syndication of TV shows in this. So right. it's one of those. So Rob and Laura are going to bed at 8 p.m. tonight. And like, uh, so, yeah, I guess maybe that was the other thing. I could also very readily imagine them having these exact conversations in the writer's room back then, like Carl Reiner. 
That's very interesting. Um, uh, and it might also be that, yeah, it's just much more of a uh, generic, uh, uh, what's the Klaatu uh, Baraknik do? Oh, Plan 9 from Outer... S- no, 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 Day the, oh, day the oh, Earth like Stood that, Still. Or day the Earth Stood yeah. Still, yeah. Like, maybe it's just like they're doing all of those movies. Yeah, and even, like, the way that the people all get infected is very um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Which the original is from the 50s, right? 50s, yeah. 60s? Yeah. yeah. So this is when we get the first no thumbs bit, which is which takes even more um, uh, extent dis- suspension of belief or whatever. Because how yeah. is anyone picking up literally anything without? Because like Rob picks up um, a lighter and a cigarette, and he does the like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the one little bit that I did love is when Danny Thomas leaves. Uh, what, is that right? Danny Thomas? Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Uh, I was wait, the founder of Wendy's? <laughs> no, it's Dave Thomas. Um, <laughs> That's Dave Thomas. His, it's his son. Uh, when he leaves, he grabs his, his little bowler hat with four fingers and he does this great little like he just curls it over the top in the little indentation and then puts it on his head that way. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. See, they're having fun with it. They're all trying. I did note, like, from this point on, everyone is trying to keep that thumb hidden. (laughs) Which also, like, in a writer's room, that's got to be a weird thing. When the actors read that in the script, like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, this is all makeup, make-believe. You don't have, like... (laughs) Now we have to all figure this out. Um, He then runs home. Uh, I like that he comes in, his, like, hat is on stupidly, and he's like... He's totally freaking out. Uh, oh, wait. Okay, so here's another question, Brett, that I, that I have for you as somebody who also hosts a show about menswear. Oh, yeah. Um, so does Rob never unbutton his top button? Was that not a thing they did in the 50s or 60s? Because oh, he would sit down to type and he would still be like, yeah. have, his, have his jacket, have his sport coat well, still see, buttoned. Now I need to keep an eye open for this. Maybe because it could have been a weird like Dick Van Dyke's choice of like, aha, in a dream, you don't unbutton sure. your... Um, I have noticed that there are a lot of wild suit coats in the early 60s yeah. and not in the way of like in the 70s it's all about pattern but it's like more traditional cut but like there are double-breasted uh coats uh on suits that they're wearing but they are these weird like it's just four little buttons very low and very close together and not like the traditional yeah. and it's just like what is that <laughs> or like the lapels are really thin like there's a lot of weird shit yeah <laughs> so this is when we get the greatest the most iconic moment uh he comes home he's all frazzled does he hear something in the closet he like turns around to go and like he opens up the closet door the coat closet i can't remember why he opens he it call for- he's, he's calling for laura yeah i can't remember why he goes to the closet i think she maybe she says like i'm in here or yeah. something <laughs> something call like yeah, because it doesn't make sense why he would, <laughs> he I mean, would like, assume that she was in the coat Or it's like, while I'm panicking, I need to make sure I take off my hat. Like, I need to put that yeah. away first. and then. But he opens up the door, and then just thousands of walnuts just spill out. They knock him over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get, like, an inset shot kind of from the point of view of the closet to show him, like, in the walnuts. So that when the camera then goes back, we then get Mary Tyler Moore sliding out from who knows what's going on backstage but like <laughs> sliding out perfectly landing in a full on like pin up pose like legs back hand on beautiful <laughs> smile and it is 
art. Like, it's just so good. And it's at this point when I wrote, like, how much fun was this fucking job? Like, goddamn, like, you go to work and it's like, yeah, today I am going to be riding out of a closet on thousands of walnuts. (laughs) See, I think that's one of the things, like, especially when I was younger, watching the show that I really liked about it, because there are, like, it... I feel like they're very prop heavy. Like it mm-hmm. all, like there's always like these big physical things and props and everything. Cause there's a, another episode, which I was telling you about where, um, they Rob takes home the wrong baby. He doesn't yeah. bring home Richie at first. Yeah. And, they, and, but he's like, they're so frazzled about having a kid. They have like all of these, this kid stuff. And he like, is like, there's no reason for him to be yeah. <laughs> juggling all this stuff. But like, it was, that was always one of the fun things is like, it's always like this zany, like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> they, they like, they cast like, when you have like two vaudeville actors, like Rosemary and Maury Amsterdam, and then you have two Broadway people like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore, like two like song and dance people. They just had these four people that are all triple threats. And like, they would just work in an episode of season where the episode is, they're all going to just do numbers. We're going to figure out a way to just have them put on a show or like a review. And those episodes are just always just so great because they all have great chemistry together. They can all sing. They're all so funny. And especially like Mary Taylor Moore, who never really did like Dick Van Dyke did Mary Poppins. And like, he did a lot of that stuff. It's very rare that you got to hear Mary Taylor Moore sing. And then when she does, she's amazing. And she's so much, such a great dancer. Uh, and it, it's just so, it is so great. And they really make use of that physical comedy. And I think that's also why, like, I don't know. That's got to, that had to have been a hard uh, walnut ride. <laughs> 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 like, they, that, that's like one take, right? Like, you can't do more than one take of that. That's a lot. That's a big setup. Yeah. <laughs> to lock- for instance, the, the Mr. Show sketch, the, the story of Everest. Hmm. Where he, uh, where, uh, who was it, Jay Johnston knocks over this little uh, case of thimbles. And the joke is that he, he's retelling the story of Everest and keeps knocking it over every time. They filmed that in front of a lot li- in front of a live audience. And the, they had to reset the, this little case of thimbles for 30 minutes between every take. So, yeah, like with this. Was Dick Van Dyke shot in front of a live audience? I do. Yeah, I believe so. It is definitely. It is definitely um, shot as if it was because like when yeah. you watch Bewitched and stuff, like it's obvious the camera's going into places that like yeah. a yeah. live show wouldn't go in. And but like Dick Van Dyke was definitely it was definitely on a soundstage because of the like old tale that I've told on the podcast before that it was on the same it was on the Desi Lu sound stages, which is, <laughs> was owned by Desi and Lucy. And there was one time early on when Mary Taylor Moore. This was like her first acting, like her first TV gig essentially she was just a commercial actress on stage and she was like on a show with all these heavy hitters and she was so nervous and she remember one night when they were doing like run throughs and stuff she heard laughing coming from the catwalk upstairs and it was Lucille Ball watching her and then afterwards she like came like Lucille Ball came up to Mary tomorrow and was just like hey you're good and then just like walked away <laughs> like <laughs> and it was and Mary Tomorrow was like yeah that that changed everything for me. Like I then felt like I belonged. I then like, and it's just such a cool, Ugh, I just love that shit. So yeah, it was definitely a soundstage at least for yeah. at least an audience of one Lucille ball. 
Uh, so Would this you love her lurking up there like the Phantom of the yeah. Opera, <laughs> smoking a cigarette, mask on. <laughs> Deadly Lou. <laughs> I own this place. Um, so this is when Rob asks, like, so first of all, like Mary Telmore has gone full Twilight. Rob, mm-hmm. like, basically asks, like, hit me, punch me, wake me up. And she delivers a sock to his face. That's really good. She then says, like, she takes a drink of air. She says her name is Lolak. And Mary Tyler Moore as creepy Lolak is great. She's great. Yes. She turns like this really, she just becomes really, like, sweet but creepy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And it's such a good flip of... It's such a good flip of how anxious she was in the first scene. It's like, if this is your only Dick yeah. Van Dyke show episode, you're seeing her at her most anxious and at her most sinister. <laughs> just so good. It's so campy as well, and I just love that. Uh, this is when, so like, everything goes crazy. The entire cast mm-hmm. comes out. They're all four fingers in, four fingers in it. Yeah. Um, Mary Tellmore even does the whole, like, I've got my... She's like, I see you, and like... Pulls yes. Here. The callback of you've got to stain on your tie. Yeah. Yeah. Which also, that is kind of a legitimately chilling moment in a way. Like the whole, like, the eyes, because you're not, you don't see the eyes in the back of the head. Yeah. And so your brain is picturing what does Mary Tyler Moore's head look like with a pair of eyes underneath that iconic hair? Yeah. <laughs> That's, my brain is filling in. <laughs> I know, and even, like, the way she smiles and everything when she turns around is just so, yeah, it's it's too much. It's all, it's like using that million-dollar smile for evil. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what she did in Ordinary People? I never saw that movie. That was, like, her Oscar movie. She's very dry. Like, she's, like, a very emotionless (laughs) mom, where it's, like, I don't remember if if she actually says to him that she wishes he had died over the brother, but like, that's basically like the whole (laughs) feeling throughout it where she's just like, she'll just like, look at the sun, like you're alive. (laughs) (laughs) Feel good. Watch. I need to follow that up. Follow this up with that. (laughs) So this is when the alarm goes off and like Rob finally wakes up. Nightmare's over. Now the viewers know it was all a dream. Only now. (laughs) Yeah. In Before modern... they assumed, wow, they're destroying the entire universe of the Dick Van Dyke show for this one episode. See, this is my main problem with Avengers Endgame, because Avengers Endgame did, like, it's that same level of, like, universe breaking, and then the end of it yeah. doesn't put put it back together. And so you're then just like, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a separate <laughs> issue that I, mean, I have. I have so many problems with that game. But yeah, uh, blast a true blast of a movie to watch, etc., etc. But the fundamental yeah. destruction of the foundation of the reality of a comic book universe. So, like, obviously, not much reality to begin with. Anyway, my favorite but thing I think is also the reality of the characters. I think uh, well, this is a total Captain America <laughs> abandoning everyone just for no, 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 um, no. That whole end, I think, is. Um, uh, goes against his whole military training and who he is as a person. Also, the whole... Uh, yeah, no, Black Widow deserves way oh, better yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, it makes me angry. Uh, I don't have a comic podcast anymore, so I can't get into it. But yeah, what if Dick Van Dyke Show did live in this reality for the rest of the next three years? Um, so then they both wake up. Like, Rob screams. He falls out of bed. Laura wakes up, too. She had a nightmare herself where Danny Thomas was chasing her. 
throwing walnuts at mm-hmm. her, and where a walnut would hit yeah. her, she would lose a thumb and grow an eye. Yes. Which... A strange great sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I almost think, like, Loris... Which... He's never addressed. Like, and also the other thing was he he just says, "Oh, I was screaming. Why did you like? Why did you get up?" And she's like, "Oh, because someone was screaming." And he said, "Oh, that's me." But he never explains like his whole. Oh yeah, why was he screaming? Just Rob's yeah, night like, terrors why again. Is he, why is he screaming? She's just like, yeah, she's she just says her nightmare of this weird additional thing yeah. that I feel like you that lose is, a thumb but gain an eye. It's like, well, <laughs> after two, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, especially like, are they hitting her square in her hands where her thumbs are, or does she is <laughs> is the Laura Petri in her dream just a thumb person? Oh god. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is getting gross. I don't like this. So then we get the um the coda the like a uh, stinger or whatever and they're both of them neither of them can sleep they're like they start flipping channels there's exercise and like who would do that at this hour this was I think one of my favorite joke of the show was yeah. was maybe this of them just watching other shows yeah because it's yeah, like trying- then it's like oh who's that guy with a beard and then you hear the TV like he has two thousand bumblebees on his face and they're like. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a movie werewolf from outer space and then they loop back oh, yeah. to exercise and then mm-hmm. the sweetest like i just love this thing of like they both like they go they circle back to the exercise and they both just get into bed pull over the covers and then just start doing leg lifts in bed <laughs> watching the exercise and it's the thing i love about rob and laura is they feel like the first episode of i love lucy i think is titled lucy thinks ricky is trying to murder her so, yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that. Uh, whereas on Dick Van Dyke's show, it always does feel like they are together against, like, mm-hmm. the world. And so, like, this moment at the end of, like, both of them resigning to, like, hey, man, we're just going to do exercise in bed because what else? Like, it's so nice. Yeah. I love that. And I did like the good fake out of the road to Singapore. Oh, where yeah. They're like, this is going to be. <laughs> can't have nightmares about this. Tomorrow on night. Tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, are y'all ready for some must have facts? Ooh, yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, 27.1 million people watched this season. 
of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Okay. Um, I don't have episode-specific ratings because that website would not load. Mm. Uh, also, who knows how accurate that shit is. Um, so yeah. for the season, the Dick Van Dyke Show ranked number nine for the season. Um, I think the Danny Thomas Show is number seven. So, like... Sure. Big casting, big stunt casting. They were really trying to bring themselves up by, yeah. Yeah, and they did because next season is the highest rated season of the of the show. And I'm thinking they were oh, number okay. three. Um, the top five shows at the time were tied for number four, The Lucy Show and Bonanza. Mm. And then tied for number two, Candid Camera and The Red Skelton Show. And then number one, New Kid on the Block, The Beverly Hillbillies. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So Which like, was in color. Was that in color in the it first started, season? It started. It was black and white, first, black season, and white right? first two seasons, okay. I think, which are the only seasons on Hulu, which bummed okay. me out because I don't. I don't know. I would like to have that at my disposal. Um, yeah. But like, what a weird era for the Dick Van Dyke Show to exist within. Like the Beverly. But it also kind of bridges those two halves of like Red Skelton Show is very much yeah. a like standard uh, variety show comedian right uh and then yeah linking it with the but it is fundamentally dick van dyke show is a sitcom but i think it also it bridges a lot of like generations too because it does feel like a 50s traditional like family like wholesome kind of show but then it also does have like very much new appeal of where they are more silly and sarcastic and Mm -hmm. playful than just your every episode ends on a moral kind of yeah yeah. god uh there are very little there are very few morals in dick van dyke show which i (laughs) love and also the dick van dyke show really seemed i don't know if it pioneered it but like it is it is one of the first, maybe the first, like work home sitcom mm-hmm. uh, where yeah. like there are work stories like Bob Newhart show did this. Mary Tyler Moore show did this. Like this became the archetype of what, in my opinion, good sitcoms are like from that point on is. I feel like Honeymooners would do that. Oh, some, yeah. right? You would sometimes see um, Jackie Gleason at the um, bus. bus depot, yeah. right? But I guess they had fewer of those weren't the recurring characters. Right, yeah, right? Like, like, the cast is comprised of, like, work and home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both, like, they both have equal weight to the point where, like, when Rosemarie, Rosemarie agreed to do the show under the impression that she was the co-lead, and then when she got to set for the pilot and saw that, like, oh, wait, no, he's married to that one? Okay, yeah, I'm not the co-lead. Like, <laughs> this gorgeous, like, song and dance lady is obvious. Like, mm-hmm. uh, she was not happy. Um... But they gave her plenty of great stuff to do, and she's great. Um, the CBS Wednesday night lineup that this aired as part of uh, started off with an hour of, like, documentary news program called CBS Reports. <laughs> and then, so, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, followed by The Beverly Hillbillies, followed by The Dick Van Dyke Show, and then alternating weeks, the Armstrong Circle Theater slash United States Steel Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, wow. which was like an hour-long drama anthology that would just like do new okay. plays every week, and they would just alternate between those two. But again, that's a weird lineup. Yeah, Dobie Gillis, Beverly Hillbillies, and Dick Van Dyke—that's weird. Um, have, are either of y'all familiar with the Many Loves of Dobie Gillis? Not at all. No, uh-huh. that start that was on Nick at Night 
like when I was a very young child and it's I've never watched it. But I, I was always like it had Gilligan in it, it had Bob Dim- mm. Bob Denver. Yeah, not John yeah. Denver. <laughs> I always do this. Um, had Bob Denver on it as essentially the proto Shaggy. Like he looks just like Shaggy from Scooby Doo, and that's yeah. all I remember from it. Um, yeah. Do it on this show at some point. I really wish we could find those weird United States Steel Hour things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure those don't exist anywhere. There were no. like three copies and they just went up in a warehouse. Yeah, or they were immediately like, they, they just taped over them every week with the new one. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, Carl Reiner won the Comedy Writing Emmy this season. Uh, they didn't, they didn't they, at that time they didn't really specify specific episodes, but like, come on. You have yeah. this one in there. Yeah. Uh, so, Curtis, maybe you can uh, illuminate this. Um, this episode aired between the t- Twilight Zone episodes. So, Mute aired the week before, and Death Ship aired the week after. Mute is about a girl with telepathy who was raised in isolation and then comes back out into the world and has to learn how to, like, be a person? <laughs> <laughs> or something. I don't remember that episode. And okay. then Death Ship was a group of astronauts land on the planet where they discovered their ship with their dead bodies in it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this aired in between those two. So like, I don't know. Is yeah. this on the level? <laughs> I mean, this is probably... No thumbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's scarier, seeing yourself in a dead spaceship or not having thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> Getting walnuts thrown at you and growing <laughs> you lose a thumb and grow an eye. Laura's dream, I think, is the scarier dream. Yes. <laughs> also, it's the high budget one, so they were like, like "What's no. the low budget dream?" No. Someone needs to animate that dream, like nowadays in 2020. <clears throat> uh, this episode. <laughs> oh what? Oh, this episode inspired um, director Jerry Paris. To introduce Mork on Happy Days. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's crazy. That I, I did not know that until yeah. I was reading that IMDb page. And I was like, surely that's not true. And then I did the research. and I was like, yeah, he was the main director on Happy Days. And they were like, we want to do a kooky episode. And then, boom, Robin Williams. Ugh. Which is Mork. I, I haven't seen Happy Days in forever. Is Mork in Happy Days a is he real or is he a dream? Oh, God, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember that. Yeah. I just, I... Because uh... it feels like such like a... It's the Great Gazoo thing, right? It's like the Flintstones where... Yeah. Very yeah. late, how do we introduce this alien? <laughs> but in Flintstones, he's real. I... Yeah, I can't remember. I should look that up. I should know. And my internet is going slow, so I couldn't Google it real quick. But, I mean, he gets his own show, and so... Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, was there, would DeMork make more than one appearance? Robin Williams, IMDb. And again, I'm not editing any of this out. Oh, I guess I should have gone the Happy Days route. I think he was in, I'm not sure how many episodes. I do remember he was in a couple because he was, he was friends with Fonzie. Yeah. Like, they were friends. So it had to have been like a weird... Okay, so the first time Mork appears, he wants to bring Richie back to his home world, which that one ends with it being a dream that Richie was having, but it was then retconned <laughs> to then have actually taken place so that they could bring Mork back and Mork uh, wiped everybody's memory to make it so it was like a dream. Oh my... He men and blocked them. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, because, yeah, he came back in 1979 for Mork Returns. 
Yeah, Happy Days, uh, that show went off the rail. I mean, it jumped the shark, and it, it coined it the term the <laughs> jump, jump the shark. Uh, yeah, I watched I watched a lot of Mork and Mindy as a kid. Um, I remember nothing about it except the guy that always wore a monk's robe, and Jonathan Winters was a baby. Like, yes. That's all I remember. Because uh, it's not streaming anywhere. Um, so wild so a walnut wholesaler provided the walnuts the cast ate a bunch of them but they ate too many and all got kind of sick and then they (laughs) said the unbroken ones were returned to the wholesaler and then ultimately sold in stores which is essentially the plot of the movie that rob is watching where he's like kolak then planted walnuts in stores yeah so in 1963 people were eating it may look like a walnut walnuts yeah. yeah. Walnuts that Mary Tyler Moore surfed down on yeah. her stomach. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, um, I mean, what were the sanitation laws? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they should, I mean, they should all be in the Smithsonian, honestly. They should have just, like, known this is going to be a classic <laughs> episode. Put them in a crate. Just saved just, them. Just, like, the slide version of it, and <laughs> you could slide down the walnut. God, where is my Mary Tyler, where is my uh, Dick Van Dyke Show pop-up store? I went to the Friends experience. Yeah. Give me the Dick Van Dyke show experience. I want to slide down some walnuts, damn it. Um, <laughs> so on IMDb, 278 users rated this episode a 9.3 out of 10. Would you say that's higher, lower, right on the money? I mean, I uh, I think that's pretty decent. Yeah. I mean, it definitely it's. I think because it is such like a standout episode i feel like that makes sense that people would rate it higher because it is something that stands out out of the regular yeah you don't forget um, it yeah no no i would say it's too high for that reason like i think that uh, a bunch of the middle part of it relies on the like is this a nightmare what is happening mm-hmm. and then we get so many walnut things there were a bunch of times where it's oh i just want to see more of like Rob at work and Rob with Laura, like, <laughs> right, right? like that part is so fun to me about Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. And the middle part would have it and then they would drop it all for the Twilight Zone stuff. Twilight Zone. I, I think enjoyed this episode less than I did most normal Dick Van Dyke episodes. No, yeah. Like the the thrill and fun of this is seeing them pulling off the. Uh, mm-hmm. the conceit like the the concept it's more of a like a you marvel at it as like honestly like talking about it and realizing all the structure stuff like i realize he had to torment laura at the beginning because his whole thing in act two is laura convinced everyone to do all this stuff and if he's right. doing it to richie richie can't convince anyone so i mean That's- so like it <laughs> is like it's really cool. And like, even the whole thing about like, well, he wasn't watching a Twilight Zone episode and that's why there wasn't a Rod Serra. Like there's a lot of things where like, Oh, you really respect like the craft and structure of it. Yeah. Even if like, yeah, like there are definitely better episodes of Dick Van Dyke show. Ghost of a chance is great. Any, um, the, the one that I did with uh Kirk D'Amato, I think it was episode two of this podcast, um, where they, they write in a whole bunch of slurs against Alan Brady into a script. And then they accidentally forget to erase them before sending it into yes. him. And they spend the entire episode just trying to get into his office to steal it back. And it's very, it's always sunny. Like it's so good. Uh, so like, those are great because they're like these ensemble pieces. And this is really cool from a structural, like, I can't believe they did that in season two kind of way. So for that yeah, reason, so against, yeah, I think, I think the show overall is, 
like such a on point show that I think this being so against the normal of it is, and they do do it quite well. I think, yeah, even just thinking about it, like I, I'm not an exposition person. Like I, I'd rather just like, <laughs> just let me jump in. So, but they, the way that it's, yeah, it's very natural, like how they set up, like all of the rules and everything at the beginning. And yeah, um, yeah they, they are gently hinting at things of like, they need to mention, like they need to see how tortured she is by this. They need to mention the fact that like, she set this alarm. Cause that's another thing where yeah. he's like, okay, alarm, alarm. Like you need to like have all of these things set into place to like, then be the thing that it's, that's how he's really losing it. And to also do some, like, I feel like a lesser show would be like, yeah, no thumbs. That's all we need. But they like set up no thumbs, no imagination, uh, eyes in the back of their head. They drink like they drink air. Like they set up a a ridiculous amount of (laughs) stuff. And then they play with all of it multiple times. I love that. Um, Who had the must see performance of the episode? Moore. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, we're putting Danny Thomas and his beautiful accent aside. I mean, you can go for it. You can give us a... <laughs> Danny Thomas needs more I, love. I, uh... Yeah, I think... I think Mary Tyler Moore... Because it... The craziness of... Of Dick Van Dyke... Love, of Rob is, like, not that far off from the, the yeah. normal. And also, there was a part where I realized, oh... He is not as good of an actor as Mary Tyler Moore is. Oh. Where it's like, he's like, pretend, he's, you can see, like, oh, you're pretending to be scared. Yeah. Whereas you mentioned earlier, Mary Tyler Moore, she definitely has that switch of mm-hmm. she's Laura and then she's Twilo Laura. Yeah. And those definitely feel very different and funny in very different ways. Yeah. yeah. And she's, and just like the dryness of it and like the seat, like she doesn't, it's not a like wink wink like I'm serious now. No, like, yeah. She's just kind of like what I don't why would I Yeah. She's a fully new character. Him, yeah, so even cool. when she answers him, she's like, I I would never do something silly like that. Yeah. Like I would never <laughs> joke like that. Like she says it in such a way that you're like, wait, is she? Like <laughs> you're, you're kind of a little <laughs> yeah, She's a legend. She, yeah, my yeah, must see. Yeah. Um, must other people see this episode of television? Yeah, especially now. So. What else we got to do? <laughs> <laughs> I would say again. I would say watch uh, many. I would say watch five to ten other episodes of Dick Van Dyke, and then if you like those, get to this. Yeah, just because it is such a. I think the fun of it is the subversion mm-hmm. of the of what we know about the characters. Yeah, yep. you have to know the characters a bit. I mean, but. It, with that being said, too, I'm thinking of it like I think you can get, especially from because they established the beginning so well. I mean, like the the smaller jokes of like, with, the, yeah, um, the melon buddy, Bud and yeah, Mel and like all like that stuff, maybe yeah. not. But I think they're the way that the characters are are so clearly established at the beginning that if you just like had turned on the TV and you were like, yeah. Oh, what's yeah. the show? I think also if like, you're interested in twilight zone, 
you could come into this and just be like, how did a 1960s sitcom that was airing concurrently yeah. look at... It's interesting to think, like, what tropes did Carl Reiner perceive watching Twilight Zone week to week that he then, in real time, got to then riff with? That's very interesting. Because you know, there is a lot of uh, Day the Earth Stood Still, right? There's the, the whole UN scene is directly from that. Uh, like, it is yeah. very much... Um, like you were saying earlier, I think it is maybe a broader science fiction spoof than just Twilight Zone, even though the structure feels a lot Very, like yeah. That. Yeah, because just... it does hit on a lot of, which they do a lot in sci-fi and in Twilight Zone. It's very sort of government-based. Like his, his backstory is very government-based of yeah. where he's doing this and so it's like this whole other like super conspiracy of that going on and um so it's not just like for example in happy days when morph just shows up and he's like hey and like, god that's so so crazy uh I need to do I need to do Mark's second appearance on this podcast I think it just like how do they yeah. justify Cool. We learned that aliens exist and there might be no God like (laughs) aliens. Aliens arriving on Earth fundamentally cracks open the structure of all of our organized religion. And the happy days was just like, hey, man, still going to go to the (laughs) going to go to Al's after this or whatever. Like, so crazy. I I also feel like and this is probably (laughs) wrong, but I feel like also he showed up in like Joni Loves Chachi. Probably this weird like (laughs) like. He would just like just appear randomly. The Mark and Mindy Laverne and Shirley Fonz hour. What was that? Was that an animated? He just did so much. He did Mark's voice. It was an animated show, a 1982 cartoon series featuring animated versions of characters from Mark and Mindy Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days, all part of the same franchise. 1982 is way too late to do a Happy Days (laughs) extension. That's around the same time the Star Trek uh, animated show was. Was Happy Days? There was just like cheap ass animation that they were like, oh, we can bring these shows back. Oh, yeah. God, that's wild. Uh, yeah, thank you all so much for taking a trip to the planet Twyla with me. Where can people find you on the internet and talk about walnuts? Um, you can find me on Instagram at C, like in the, the ocean, S-E-A, Halyard, H-A-L-Y-A-R-D. And yeah. Uh, I am actually Curtis on uh, Instagram and Twitter or CurtisRutherford.com, C-U-R-T-I-S-R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. And if you're an improviser, my improv podcast, Improv Beat by Beat, you can find on iTunes. Hell yeah. I also have my my DigiReader company. If anyone needs a scene partner while you are in seclusion, (laughs) (laughs) you can find me at the DigiReader on Instagram. Hell yeah. (laughs) And... That does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guests, Curtis Rutherford and Courtney Rose Halyard for dropping by and talking about the Dick Van Dyke Show episode with me. Next time, I'll be discussing the Designing Women episode, The Junies. The Junies is in Season 3, Episode 12, and you can stream The Junies on Hulu. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Follow Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram, and let's talk about sitcoms in this awful, awful time. Uh, And if you want to watch live streams of classic sitcoms, peep the Instagram, because I'm testing out just putting my phone in front of my old television hitting play and then hoping that instagram's 
I don't know, content police don't just shut me down. They haven't yet. Um, so follow the Instagram account. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Follow me in, on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. Read the words that are right at Decider.com. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and I will see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.